Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Rank Up, an on-page SEO podcast where we talk about technical SEO, content optimization, search engine news, and much more. I am one of your hosts, Ben Gary, and I am joined by my regular co-host, Ed Wilson. Are you all right, Ed? Yeah, good. Thanks, Ben. Uh, excited to do this episode. I think we're going to be touching a lot of themes that we discussed towards the, the end of last year. Um, so yeah, it'd be great to get into them and you know if, how they're how they're going, and also if if, I, if we've changed our uh, opinion on anything. Yeah, it's a it's a good topic for halfway through the year, um, and also for our quarter century podcast as well. Um, we've we've made it a quarter of the way to a hundred, which I'll take as a milestone. <laughs> <laughs> we need some uh, celebrations going down, balloons and stuff. I know. Well, for the celebration, the, the, the celebration is that you get to be on the hot seat this time, Ed. Uh, we don't have a guest, uh, as you, you may have guessed from listening already. Um, so it's just going to be me interviewing Ed and giving him a chance to um, talk about some of the things that he's inter- interested in. Um, because he obviously uh, he asked the questions along with me and um, shares some of his thoughts on the different topics that our guest talks about, uh, talk about. But we haven't really given him the chance to uh, fly solo which is what we'll be doing today. Um, and Ed, I'm going to start off like we do for all of our guests um, to make sure that people get a sense of who you are uh, and what your background in SEO is. So um, can you talk about your SEO journey so far? What, what are the key points in your career that have led you to where you are now? Yes, yeah, certainly. So I guess the, the first port of call and where I was first made aware of, I guess, search engines, but... I guess Google as well is I guess when I was 15 16 at home using the internet and like many people did that kind of thing of how to make money on the internet and through yeah. then it was the the early introduction I think where Google was expanding into other ser- services so the likes of AdSense um was introduced which was a very kind of robotic approach at the time and that was the case that you could pop pop up a website and uh, put ads on it and hopefully gain gain money through that. So um, I did a bit of research into, I guess it's how I got interested in, I guess, learning about algorithms. I took the time to learn about the research of what it rewarded. So at the time I could understand that adverts on finance websites were typically higher paid. So I basically just copied a a banking website source code and just put it up on a free website and applied for it. And, you know, there was no kind of, um, too much checking from Google side back then. They just kind of yeah. scanned the website. Sorry, it was kind of based on finance and accepted it. You put your ads on, on your website. And then, yeah, I um, effectively just spammed the internet to try and capture as much traffic towards towards the website. Because if you were like sending a few visitors and um, they were clicking your, and you were like forcing the clicks on the, on, on the website, the, I guess yeah. the CPM and, and the cost per click on the ads was fairly low. Whereas if you were able to get a thousand to 2000 visitors and click about and get your friends on Amazon to click a few adverts to generate <laughs> three, four pounds each day, it was quite effective, but that was just generating about 50, 60 pounds per, per month for myself. So I guess that was my first awareness of, of Google and driving yeah. traffic as such. Um, but then, yeah, I was um, at the time working um, in a factory, really, but they I was the youngest person in the company, so they just <laughs> rightly assumed I knew about computers at the time and, and kind of yeah. they wanted the, me to basically build their website in HTML and CSS. So I just kind of self-taught myself on the job, really, and got really interested in that field and then thought, you know, 
you know, this is probably something I wanted to do as a career. Yeah. Um, and with more of my friends going to kind of university, I looked into courses. So jumped on really late onto a, uh, a course in, yeah, my, I guess, home city, Nottingham, where Impression is based. And, uh, yeah, kind of learned about, at the time, I think, I, I, you know, I graduated, uh, well, I, I kind of focused my attention on, on animation and flash before then going back to HTML, CSS, before yeah. being picked up by a local agency at the end of my degree where I learned about, again, more black hat practices within SEO because at the time it was, <laughs> I, I guess like 10 to 12 years ago now um, and then was brought back down to reality through the introduction of like Google Penguin and Google uh, Panda at the time so was really in <laughs> the time when I was fearing for my job when those went live and all the websites absolutely yeah. um, so that was kind of my early career but then ever since then have been again that's when I was focused across everything as SEO and kind of have really seen it evolved of doing it for search engines to actually focusing on the users um, over the past 10 years and have been, I guess, in a, a range of varieties from um, agency working on kind of, um, I guess, you know, UK brands, but also international brands, but also like uh, managing an in-house team as well and kind of returning them to back to uh, away from like Google penalties and, and areas like that. So um, I've kind of seen it all to date so far. Um, but yeah. yeah, I guess early in, it was like many of our guests and many people into SEO, it's just been kind of a, a happy accident of where I've fallen into something yeah. and, and still continue to enjoy it. Yeah, it's awesome. I, uh, your, your origin story in SEO is, is one of my favorite people that I've heard. I just love the way you came in from that black hat angle and like gaming the system with the ads. But I guess through doing that, you also, you do learn a lot of the actual systems that underlie it, right? Because you had to know what systems were to be able to game them. And then as it's changed, you've probably seen exactly what does and doesn't work. Yeah, exactly that. And and like I said, I think it, it, whilst it's obviously, I can see why it's not done now, it's effectively that. I think back then you kind of learn how a search engine works and how it's evolved over time with more, I guess, more of a marketing, marketing consideration. I don't think it's naturally forgotten, but sometimes you do yeah. have to go back to thinking like to the basic foundations of how a search engine works. And yes, there's so much more in terms of machine learning and so much more that can kind of impact those things. But I think it's also critical to get an understanding of, you know, how search engines on the web works. And I think fortunately... Yeah. Due to my that early start of my career, it kind of gave me a leg up because I was just you know really focused on that. But now, obviously, it's a much wider consideration, so much more investment from different um, different types of skill sets needs to needs to be considered. Yeah, absolutely. So now your your job title, I hope I get this right, is is technical SEO consultant. Mm -hmm. um, so what does that mean day to day? Uh, what do you do like in your in your kind of work now? Yeah, so I guess it's kind of um, twofold, really. So um, from a technical SEO perspective, I think the past four to five years, I think just because um, what's been kind of happening with our clients, but also most recently with the introduction of um, JavaScript SEO and so much technology and search, I've been kind of focused on that area for kind of enterprise e-commerce websites. So from, I guess, the beginning of my job title, I focus more on, again, the technical foundations of, of a website and ensuring that yeah. 
uh, not only search engine robots, but also users have a good experience of, you know, exploring the website and that, you know, it's there's no issues in, the, in that foundational structure and they're actually improving the structure from, from the, I guess, the bottom up and ensuring that everything that a search engine sees, but also what can also impact a user is positive. But I guess within the consultancy role, um, I've been, again, in the past, I'd say 12 to 24 months, been focused on more on how we, uh, you know, focus on strategy uh, and how we, yeah. you know, align this with business objectives. So I guess my remit at the moment is whilst I focus on more of the technical SEO side of, uh, of, of things for a client or a company or a website, uh, I also kind of have that experience to kind of um, identify where the growth can be through through uh, organic search. Yeah. Yeah, these things don't sit on their own, do they? Like it's mm -hmm. technical SEO doesn't operate on its own. As we see from many of our clients that we share uh, with you doing a lot of the technical activity and me doing a lot of the content, you need both of them working together. Yeah, definitely. So we'll go into our main topic, which is, um, as you kind of alluded to at the start, we're going to look back at um, some of what we talked about back in episode 16, which was um, around the turn of the year from 2020 to 2021. Um, and see what's actually going on this year uh, and how close we were with our predictions for what we thought would happen. Uh, and then I'm also just going to ask Ed a few questions about some topics that I know he's interested in as well, um, along the lines of kind of the current state of search and, and what a good SEO strategy looks like in 2021. Um, so if we start with those predictions, uh, first up, the big one that we knew for a long time was coming in 2021 was the, uh, the Core Web Vitals rollout. Uh, or the page experience update as we know it now, um, which we thought was going to come in May, but it then got a bit delayed. Uh, and actually, at the time of recording, I think it's it literally started maybe yesterday or today. It, it's been rolled out kind of as we speak. Um, so, so Ed, I, I don't know if you've really seen anything about it so far or if it's too early really to tell, but do you think this has still got a big part to play in how SEO looks this year, or is it going to have maybe a bit of a smaller impact initially than we first thought? I think as we as my prediction is the rollout will it won't see too much change. I think personally from I guess my experience uh, and what I would expect to happen, I think if it was to have a significant impact, it will be um, on a specific industry. So I think again, I think the websites again, if it was to have an impact in say the next three to six months, I think it would be likely you'd see potential changes in the, the publication, so like news websites, yeah. uh, but also areas maybe like uh, like the recipe cooking websites where I guess Google highlighted a lot of examples initially with like CLS on, on, on recipe pages yeah. on, on items like that. I think typically, you know, e-com and everything like that, I think gradually over time, and when I say over time, I mean over the next few years, I think these areas yep. are going to be more, become more and more important. I think there's been signs and and speculations of them like highlighting which websites are fast in search but i think it also goes along the lines of of google's algorithms in the past five years have have been all focused around user experience from https to mobile index and now this i think um, yeah. i think they want to make sure that obviously they're supplying a good experience um which they've Try to do, I guess, from from so many angles, not like more the technical side, but even like that identifying search intent through like machine learning and ensure that users are landing on the right type of page and it's you know making sure the content is is suited towards them. So, um, yeah, I think I think 
straight away we're not got, we're not going to see a significant impact if it was i think it'll be specific industries but i think over time yeah um yeah i think um yeah over time it'll be more of an important consideration but i think it's it's not one to disregard even if it's not going to have you know an impact in the short term i think um there's been a lot of um uh, i guess people critiquing critiquing people that have spent so much time you know investing their in improving their core web vitals whereas actually it's mm. not the worst thing you can essentially do because you're improving your user experience i think at the end of it if it's even if it's not going to have a desired impact in terms of you know maintaining your organic visibility or improving your organic visibility it's going to be great for the users and effectively yeah. that's like what that's what like the end goal should always be anyway so i don't think it's a wasted investment and then also i think if you're a market leader and you know uh, at the end of the day you're going to have to be investing resource into this area because if you rest on kind of any of your laurels or, or miss an opportunity kind of to be the market leader in you know serving great content and serving the fast experience then it's not going to be too great if <laughs> if it does go against what you thought it actually did and you know a competitor performs better again i don't think that will happen it's just i think the mindset behind it too yeah and we've known for years as well that page speed affects conversion rate at a very basic level like you talk about it being good for user experience but if you want a business case for it then i mean it's not only page speed in core and vitals but that is still part of it and we know from years of data that if you increase your page speed you're likely to see a rise in conversion so so even there you, you probably you know you'd probably be on fairly safe ground in terms of roi with making these changes yeah definitely and i think whenever you're briefing these these changes into stakeholders I don't think it should be the case that we need to do this because Google says we need to do it. I think you need to be yeah. positioning it as more of, uh, we need to do this because it'll help us convert users quicker, it'll help improve our conversion rate quicker. And I think that, and I think a lot of stakeholders, CMOs, directors buy in, especially now, um, to website performance and conversion rate because they get know they can get like more bang for their book in terms of the users that are visiting the website rather than speculating that, you know, Google may reward them. So if yeah. you're trying to get buy into Core Web Vitals, I'd always position it from a, a user and data perspective of actually, you know, our website compared to competitors is falling short massively on on these metrics that look to analyze user performance. Let's try and improve them to to improve our conversion rate and provide a, a better experience uh, for our yeah for our traffic. Yeah, absolutely. And sticking with updates, we um, we've seen as well a, another recent algorithm update in June, and Google given us prior warning of a second one coming um, uh, potentially in July after the page experience update is finished rolling out. Um, have we learned anything new from these algorithm updates or is it more of the same kind of trends that Google's been doing in their updates for a while? Um, I, don't, I, th I, mean, I think the moment one especially is, is quite interesting. Um, I think I was quite interested again at the time of the, the introduction of BERT and also kind of their other machine learning areas. So I don't think it's anything yeah. new. And I think there'll be continued rollouts to how Google looks to, to understand content across websites. I think we were we were always of the opinion a few years ago that, you know, more is better. Whereas now we know yeah. that, you know, facilitating that search intent and it doesn't have to be a you know a, a thousand page article that ranks the better as long as you're quite direct and specifically highlight to the user you know what that 
you know facilitating that search i think you're gonna you're mm. gonna see some good success within that so i think it's positive that these uh, the the introductions of these rollouts uh, are happening in terms of how google will further um i guess expand into this realm and i think it's also positive for for I guess people that are involved in SEO, right? Is because we're yeah. Google is still investing in actually providing quality results rather than diminishing their their search results. So, it, you know, I don't think it's I don't think I think they'll continue to invest in this area, introduce more machine yeah. learning, and I think there's a long a lot of things go that feed into their data now just because of how much data capture they have through Android, through their smart devices, through Google Home, yeah. through for for all these things that informs them of what a, a user, which is again quite scary, but is you know they have this data and they will be using it. So, yeah, I think it's quite positive that they're able to um, they're investing more in in actually providing quality results. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Mum or the multitask multitask unified model to to give it its full name there, um, which I think is on the content side. I'm really excited by something like that because. I think it gives the potential for there to be more reward for your good quality content. Um, if you're kind of going into all of the different subtopics that you could cover uh, and really making an effort to go and get expert knowledge and include that on your website, then it, it's giving you more potential ways for these to appear, whether that's in translation or through some imagery that you've maybe invested in um, or just through better matching to long tail search queries. Um, it might be quite hard to track, but in terms of tra potential traffic to the site and potential visibility, it, it could be quite good for, for sites that are investing a lot in content, which is exciting for someone like me. Yeah, definitely. And I think like we've always been so focused on like an SEO content structure and uh, from this i'm not like discrediting at all i think it's you know it's, it's foundational work that needs to happen if you're to invest in it but i think over time what we've seen again within search is like the importance of like entities we've seen websites with no yeah. like heading structure and it's just you know that they're ranking because of the entity across the web being attributed towards that page and google knowing that page is the correct you know, correct for the user. And like I said, I don't yeah. want to discredit like the content structure behind a page, but I think it's just, again, that more investment in in a search engine and Google specifically of understanding it's the right page for the user with so much of uh, this investment in terms of like the likes of, uh, of mom and Bert and everything like that in terms of the machine learning, understanding what users want to see and understanding content and context behind pages. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this brings us on to the, the topic of the consumer search journey, which we also spoke about back in December. Um, we, we said it was going to be important to pay attention to the consumer search journey in 2021. Uh, I think, for me, mum has um, that's, oh, it's such a weird name. I know Google often has weird <laughs> names, but so that one is, is particularly weird. MUM um, or mum has, has really ramped that up again, I think, by by recognizing within Google how complex a search journey is and kind of taking another step to make Google able to satisfy even the most difficult queries. Um, so in, in recent months, has your thinking on the, on the consumer search journey sort of developed or changed? Or, or, or kind of where are you at with how we actually make the most of that in an SEO strategy? Yeah, I think if anything, it's strengthened it. I think um, over the past few years, I know we've always discussed it in terms of 
it's been a bit, a bit of a hot topic on our podcast in terms of how much yeah. it's critical towards an SEO strategy and how much benefit you can get from it. And also, personally speaking, we see it a lot for my clients. And yeah, yeah. I think it, it, I think it's only strengthened, and I think it's it, it comes in twofold. I think again, in my predictions on something that's going to be big or has been big for the past few years is is brand. And I think mm. there's a lot of good case studies out there and we can, again, link it to in the show notes. And Tom Kapp has done a lot of research into this where they've looked to use brand search uh, alongside competitive search queries and how much brand, I guess, signals play a key part in that. So not only branded yeah. queries, but also like um, branded search alongside surfaces or topics, say, for example, ASOS and then ASOS stressors. That would, to me, give a huge signal that, you know, people want to see like they're a, a, a you know a, a clearly highly important brand alongside that specific product or for example if they're searching dresses and then they do a query refinement and then introduce brand i think again these are all kind of predictions and at the moment but i think these are signals that google will be wanting to understand of what brands want to be seen across you know products or services or anything like that mm. So I think whilst the consumer search and what this can help do is if you invest early on in your consumer search journey in these more, I guess, informational topics, more awareness topics, you can effectively build your brand over time um, by building assets, providing information towards the user. And then over time, I think that's a great brand, uh, brand building exercise if you invest it in terms of the right topics that really resonate with the users. But also on top yeah. of that, I think any new company or startup, straight away, it's going to be super difficult to go against some of the big hitters in your industry in the first 12 to 24 months, in my opinion. And yes, it could be done yeah. if, you know, if it accelerates quite quickly, you get a lot of uh, awareness of your brand or product, a, a lot of authority being assigned and you have significant content investment. But that's a that's a lot to be asking and i think investing in the consumer search journey where typically it's less competitive um with you know smaller search volumes or or you know i don't want to be purely focused on search volumes here but just you i think the ability to rank and be visible in these spaces is a lot more easier and be able to pick up those customers earlier on in the journey you can really uh, i guess um, guide the conversation and i think typically that not only will that exercise build up brand awareness of you know, you entering the market but also be a lot uh, a lot easier for to target to organic set uh, yeah organic success where again it's less competitive you're able to pick up that traffic and then hopefully cross sell it or just through brand awareness um Get, yeah. get, you, get you in the conversation when users are considering a purchase or or anything like that. Yeah, and, and you're right. There's been on the on the podcast a few times recently. As you were speaking there, I was thinking of um, well, actually the episode that, that you went on a few times uh, a few episodes ago with Tasha and Ponta, and we, and um, she was talking about how brand is important for uh, for fashion websites, uh, fashion and beauty websites, and understanding. Um, kind of how branded search changes at different levels of, of what she was kind of describing as a, as a fashion pyramid where um, the more of a kind of designer high-end brand that you are, the more important it is to kind of be, be focusing on specific branded terms because the, the people who want to buy from you are people who already know about you and are seeking you out because of your reputation. Whereas uh, more of the mass market sort of fashion and beauty sites uh, 
will tend more towards those more competitive, high-volume, non-branded search terms. Um, but, but it kind of works both ways, because if, if a designer brand then tried to rank for one of those mass market terms, it would actually be quite hard, and they wouldn't necessarily see a great return on it, because people aren't looking to spend hundreds of pounds on something that maybe ASOS is selling for 10. Um, yeah. Which is just a really interesting way, and it shows how that consideration of brand changes depending, like even within industries, depending on like what your consumer position is and and what perception people have of your brand. So I think actually just being aware of that, like kind of having the self awareness as a marketing team or as an SEO team of of how well known your brand is and how people are most likely to engage with your products and services is really important. But that's going to have a massive impact on the kind of content that you need and the kind of keywords you target. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think with that like consideration, it goes more beyond just SEO. But actually, whilst we're talking about like building it for kind of organic success, it's going to work so much better for every other channel in terms of like paid media or direct or social or anything like that. Yeah. You know, I think building your building your website and content on what people are searching for is going to be advantageous anyway. Like it, you're going to get so much benefit from actually providing information that customers or users want to learn from and i think you're right in terms of like is it applicable you know there's no set template for every business because it's all about like that brand positioning in terms of like price points what people think of your brands uh, like you said yeah. there, like high highly affluent brands probably won't want to invest in this more uh, awareness topics where you know hundred thousands of people are searching for this topic and then only to be go actually i'm not going to be paying that much for for that product yeah. whereas i guess more yeah more mass market ones know that they can invest in that area and see a good return from it so yeah i think not only is this great for you know we we talk about it in terms of driving organic search whereas a you know, ultimately you can gain a lot of these insights to actually help build your website structure and build upon that. And I think we're seeing a lot of companies now that are doing great things, you know, in the world. So in terms of like, in terms of their business growth, like the likes of mm-hmm. Wise and who we've previously had on uh, with Fabrizio a few episodes ago in terms of actually them being informed of what people are actually wanting to learn about and building that as a product on the, on their website. Yeah, I think this leads really well into another topic that I know you wanted to talk about, which is um, the the role that our SEO insights can play in in helping other channels uh, and our wider marketing strategy. And you started to touch on it there, but but when you when you talk about that kind of thing, what sort of data do you have in mind, and what kind of relationship can you imagine SEO having with with other marketing channels? Yeah, I think some again. This isn't a trending topic that's been happening. I think for a few years is that is that collaboration between um, organic and paid, and understanding where the where the two can benefit each other. I think yeah. again, it can go both ways. I think if we're talking about like building brand from an SEO perspective, we need to understand like what facilitates that. It can be a case of briefing in potential processes that can even sit on like affiliates and like influencer routes in terms of like, Mm -hmm. we actually um, advising them of what, you know, processes or even linking towards a specific page or, or them sharing a specific page through, you know, Instagram or YouTube or anything like that could potentially pay dividends, but also from the creative side, like I think there's going to be so much, uh, 
you know, as a, as a, I guess, company's objectives in, in it is to build brand awareness. There's going to be so much more efforts from specific ch- uh, channels to actually build brands. But I think specifically, yeah. if we focus on maybe the the organic and paid, I think there's, you know, there's roles to play that can benefit each other. I think, typically speaking, you can gain so much data from paid, especially if that's been that's been happening in the background or has been an initiative that has a lot of data behind it. If you're a, an international brand reviewing, you know, where the priority should be across certain markets, I think typically mm. looking across different markets, but also cultu- uh, culturally, like what are the popular products from your own from your own data set? What typically converts better? And I think that that kind of data can feed into your SEO strategy in terms of priority. Um, and then yeah. also using thing, com- you know, combining that with like internal site search on, on those specific uh, countries and things like that i think typically as well and this is i mean i know that was more focused potentially on on e-commerce but i think going back to our last question in terms of building that consumer search journey if you are capturing users higher up the funnel this can again aid so much with like retargeting and display advertising because what you can yeah. do is actually build audiences of of potential you know topics that you wouldn't actually target through through search ads or, or anything like that. But if they're landing on your website and consuming information related towards a service or a product or anything like that, you can capture them early on and then invest in, in retargeting and display, which is typically cheaper, and then try and build that brand and that resignation with that resignation with that user uh, over time. And again, I think that, again, pay, uh, plays into more of the, the paid angle of looking to, I guess, yeah. target that user for, throughout that journey, which I think, again, is really effective well yeah yeah that's awesome and probably some some great ideas for people listening to try out with their with their clients which is which is fantastic um and i know you're you're keen to talk as well about uh some some people that you see doing a good job of this uh or not, maybe not not the paid angle specifically but their kind of current seo strategies uh i know you've mentioned uh kevin indig we've spoken about him and his articles multiple times on the podcast um, who's currently uh, leading Shopify's SEO? Is that right? And and what sort of excites you about his approach? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think again, I think he, I think he's going to do great work at, at Shopify. I think they've you know they've invested in a really solid SEO team. You see, in terms of dream teams, I think he's effectively building that at, at Shopify. But I know yeah. previously he was at G two, who again have just done great things in terms of building their building their website on what users are wanting to learn about and turning that into a product and making that visible within search. So that, I think what he's he's done across G2, but also I think what Shopify have potentially been doing for a while, and he's only going to be able to build upon that, is investing in, in that consumer search journey. So if we look into kind of, I mean, it's it, it may seem fairly basic, but I think these are the things that get yeah. missed. But if we look into kind of Shopify's core customers in terms of why they use Shopify, obviously there's there's going to be so many personas. But I think what they've done well, um, and this is specifically just one of them, is people looking to in start kind of dropshipping business. If you look at yeah. if you search for dropshipping on the internet now within Google or YouTube, everything is referenced around around Shopify. We can see that within within Google search. They own the topic in terms of just searching dropshipping. But also, yeah. if we go in the likes of um, YouTube, if you search dropshipping, again, there's thought leadership on, on the article on that. So it's just a really effective way uh, of, I think, in what, I've, what we've explained more with the consumer search journey is them actually 
uh, owning this topic, and I think they'll they'll continue to do that um, under yeah their current teams remit. Well, that's uh, I feel like we did talk about this in um, in episode sixteen in December as well. That kind of uh, like multimedia content approach, which is something that. Uh, I think we both thought a fair bit about this year and, and what you said there about Shopify owning the topic, not just in uh, text search, but in YouTube as well. Uh, sounds like a perfect example of that, which means wherever you're researching this, uh, or if you're doing multiple different stages of research on different platforms, uh, you're going to be blasted with the Shopify brand by the sound of it. Uh, yeah. And they're probably going to be top of mind for, for you know, what, who, you, who you use to build that dropshipping business. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I think there's in that circumstance, there's so many personas that they're going to invest in over time, and it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. But again, there's a there's a lot more companies that are, are doing this as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I think what Kirsten was talking about in the last episode as well is um, probably along these lines of as um, as Tide is expanding, they're able to target more sort of lot more niches and really kind of build their brand in each specific niche rather than, like you said earlier, rather than having to go for the biggest, most competitive terms. If you can really start to own particular niches, then you not only are you getting the top rankings, but you're also being seen by exactly the right audience, which is kind of a, a double bonus to it. Yeah, I think I think that's the kind of dream position, I think, to be in. in, in like, uh, as we've spoken on that focus with Tide, I think, I think that's a really exciting avenue to come into where you're kind of responsible for for obviously organic growth or you know traffic growth as a as a topic but I think yeah a, a business is that is starting to kind of learn more about consumers learning what they want to know about and if your product yeah. or service relates directly on that topic I think it can be a re- really kind of exciting position to be in in terms of like understanding and building that that awareness and then also I think removing that friction because we talk about like investing in that consumer search journey but the ultimate end goal that you're going to be judged on upon is 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 driving traffic obviously but also revenue yeah so looking to cross sell yeah. that in at, at some point and you know how you can do that can be uh, you know there's some websites that uh, continue to do that great but I think it is probably one of the most difficult areas in terms of yes you've consumed all this great content yes you've been visible with our brand now but like at what how can we start now integrating our products or our services within this content uh, but l- alongside that i think typically if you if you're making your brand visible across that that forefront of your content over time when that user is ready to buy or invest in a company or anything like that they will be typically yeah. considering you should they have been interacting with your website at some point yeah for sure and um there, there are undoubtedly more Kind of strategies and companies we could talk about but i want to move on and put you on the spot now with uh with some practical tips for doing this uh as we like to do on the podcast if someone's listening in in an in-house role or, or thinking about particular clients at their agencies and they're thinking how do i how do i build on this potential with the consumer search journey for my business um so what, what kind of tactics would you recommend they be prioritizing within their strategies to make the most of that in 2021? Yes, yeah, so I think, again, it, it, it folks, I think initially it, it kind of depends on the company that you're working for. I think if you're working for an established yeah. brand, I think owning everything related to your brand straight away is, is super important. You mentioned there in terms of uh, the 
the, the podcast uh, discussed around fashion brands. I think owning those branded search or where a competitor may be considered against your brand in terms of comparisons, but also questions around your brand, anything around yeah. that, I think is, is imperative. And I think if you own that space initially, you can do so much in terms of the what you can help so much in terms of that brand's reputation. Um, so I think yeah. typically if you're working for a more established brand, um, I would look to own, try and own that kind of branded sphere as such. I think if if you're if you're more of a startup, but again, this is applicable towards a company that is maybe more established in search, but wanting to invest in this kind of thing, is um, really understand and go to the basics in terms of Yes, use keyword. I think audience data such, such as keyword research and, and trend data or anything like that is, is important, but also um, speaking towards, um, I guess, the internal stakers or people that know of the personas behind your business in terms of how we look to target them. And I think if it's if it's if you're building a consumer consumer search journey on awareness and, and that mass market search, I think yes, that's great. But there needs to be an end goal of you know, can we convert these users? I think identifying those audiences that are your customers and building a search journey around them is imperative. So I think that that goes yeah. beyond initial like research around data and actually goes into that that, that topic. I guess again, which we we um, discussed with Diane from Sembrush, um, that you can. You know, learn create these personas. I think Laura again has has done this years ago on the impression website of building these personas out and understanding yeah. um, who are the users that we're looking to target first before you even start to get to building this this um, this consumer search journey. I think those things are you know building on your brand and protecting your brand, but, but then also learning from your personas or creating personas initially in order to yeah. understand what kind of you know users you're initially targeting. Yeah, a couple of other kind of data sources that I would add to that, especially if you're looking at how to dominate brand content, would be um, kind of people also ask boxes that might appear on branded search, um, and also just the kind of search suggest results as you're typing a brand into into Google, and you kind of see what comes up in the autocomplete or um, the related searches that appear at the bottom. All of those, it you don't necessarily get the keyword volume data for it all, but so that's all data that real people are searching. So that's also a really great way to make sure you've kind of covered off every possible angle of your brand. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of sticking with, with content for kind of one more, one more question. Um, yeah. You mentioned in a, in a recent company presentation that you delivered along these lines in one of our Lunch and Learn, um, the concept of building a moat with unique content. And I, I think that relates to kind of some of what we've been talking about today. So I wondered if you could just explain that concept for the podcast. Yeah, so I think, again, this is something that Kevin Index touched upon in, in some of his um, articles most recently, um, but I'm seeing it more in terms of, a, I guess, protection for brands for a more of a, a long-term SEO strategy. I think what we yeah. tend to, I guess, what's quite cautious for, I guess, business stakeholders is that they invest in SEO and then you know, over time, a new company comes along and steals all that information when they've invested, you know, five years worth of work into this area. I think what building yeah. kind of a, of a content mode or kind of an SEO mode is, I think, I think probably I prefer to call it kind of a content mode, is 
is creating something that looks to protect your brand over time. So we understand, you know, investing in content. And say, for example, if you invest in a certain topic, say, for example, with, with Shopify, I think they invested in dropshipping uh, and they have a guide or an area of their website that ranks well for a lot of terms related towards dropshipping. And that is pivotal to driving traffic towards the business and, and gaining users and, and converting those users. You know, over time, if once that's in position one, there may be some active SEO work to kind of update that content over time, but they're potentially may less on their rest on the laurels in terms of actually that's that's us now that's where we're performing when when actually yeah. you know potentially a new e-commerce cms startup could come to the fold scrape all their content build upon that and then do a better job of it to a certain extent because again shopify haven't you know continued to invest in that area and you know over the you know, a year or two, they could then potentially start to steal their rankings from there. So what a content moat is essentially is making something that competitors can't steal. So there's right. so many there's so many angles that you can look to introduce to your content so that, you know, a website can't scrape it and then replicate it and then build it around their brand. I think I think assets is a is a key one. So I think once you have this content that performs really well, understand what can benefit the user more. I think like video is a great one where you yeah. know a, com- a competitor can't scale video easily over over months of of, of research. They're going to have to invest a significant amount of money. And I think over time they probably won't want to do that. So I think yeah. compensating content articles or anything like that, or guides or anything like that with video over time would not only be beneficial towards protecting your your authority on the subject, but actually provide a lot more benefits in terms of the, the user angle of that. I think there'll be loads of more um, areas that you can look to implement as well. So like using unique data, so you're actually building uh, data based on maybe your internal data or data that you've collected could be quite interesting, but also using, mm. I guess, thought leadership within your business or essentially being able to create something that, again, is that thing is that competitors can't scale. So like I said, you're not, you're not building, you know, driving a significantly huge business based on a, a topic area that is driving, you know, thousands and thousands of visits each month, but only for a competitor to steal that. And I think actually protecting that through this something like that is a content mode that is, not easily be you know it's it's difficult to scale and actually by investing in these in media or thought leadership or data around it helps protect it over time and, it, and if anything provides more use use benefits as well yeah that's awesome that's a great idea um and just before we before we wrap up is there anything else that you've been trying in your strategies recently or, or seen other people trying that you uh you think is worth mentioning uh for people kind of going into the second half of this year um, I think I think the consumer search engine one is key. I think what we touched upon last time is just viewing search not just through Google search. And again, this I guess one of the most one of the most interesting podcasts I think we've had is with with Rick Rodriguez in terms of viewing search yeah. searches not just within specifically Google, but also like the like I mentioned with with Shopify performing in like YouTube search and, and areas like that. I think what we need to understand is like building building out websites that is built for search, but not specifically for Google, but, you know, to encompass all kinds of, or, yeah, encompass all kinds of attributes and, and media and, and those types of formats. So I think, yes, whilst, you know, Google is key and we should always focus on, um, you know, best practices uh, within that front and, and, and at least consider that, 
at least consider them. I think you know building understanding search as a as a as an overall topic and understand how you know users can find the website not just within Google but also site search, YouTube, everything like that. I think is an, an interesting angle that we need to consider as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks very much. Uh, I think that's that's everything we've got we've got time for in the main interview, but. Uh, it's great to hear you just talk about some of these ideas that I know you're really passionate about, but you haven't really been able to um, kind of express in fullness on the podcast. So uh, thanks for that. I think there's going to be loads in there that will be really helpful for listeners. Cool. Yeah, no problem. I love talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're on a podcast. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Uh, is is there anything else you'd kind of kind of worth mentioning? Uh, I don't know if you're are you working on anything at the moment, anything to look out for, or is it just kind of people following you on on Twitter to, to see things as they come out? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm working on a lot of internal internal initiatives at the moment in terms of uh, more kind of SEO strategy. So I think from a um, I guess marketing content perspective of what I'm looking to put out there, I think it's going to be whilst I always have my like heart within technical SEO, I think over time. Hopefully, over the next few months, I'm going to be positioning myself um, and creating more content around more strategic SEO. So maybe some of the topics that yeah. I've discussed on this on this podcast. So yeah, I think that's something to look out for. Obviously, there's there's previous content that you can find through the Impression blog or just uh, just through browsing my Twitter. Cool, that's great. Well, your Twitter is, uh, as we say every episode, at edjtw with two Ds. Um, and I am also uh, on Twitter at Ben J Gary with two R's. Uh, and so as Ed was saying there, you can kind of, we're, we're both doing various things. We've, I think we've both been quite busy over the last few months, probably haven't put out much other than the podcast, but, um, I'm sure over the next few months, um, as things kind of settle down a bit over the summer, uh, we'll both be hoping to put out some more stuff, which will be on Twitter in the impression blog, uh, as soon as it's live. Um, but that is everything uh, we have time for today. Uh, it's been great fun for me to, uh, to interview Ed, uh, and we are uh, hoping to have a guest on for, for the next podcast. So we'll be kind of be returning to our usual guest format uh, very soon. Um, but if you can't wait for your next helping of digital marketing content, then please go to the blog, as we've mentioned, uh, impression.co.uk slash blog. Um, even if me and Ed haven't been doing that much over the last few months, uh, there are plenty of other people at Impression who have been, uh, and you can see all of the latest content, webinars, um, videos, and everything is kind of hosted there. So please do go and check it out. And um, we also highly recommend looking at womenintechseo.com slash speakers uh, to find plenty of other people contributing to the industry, uh, people who are open to speaking opportunities and all of that good stuff. Uh, and that'll do it. That's everything. Uh, Ed, thank you for being in the hot seat today. Um, and we'll both be back in a couple of weeks for the next episode. Thanks, Ben. See you later. Cool.